uh, and I will try to, to speak in English as uh, today uh, Kirk Papadian can be uh, with us uh, and, we are ver and, uh, and we are very proud um, so just little detail I will give just little detail about this session uh, then Kirk will uh, present you uh, the product and uh, you can try a demo uh, uh, the first time the demo is played uh, here and uh, after yeah. that uh, like every time we will have uh, uh, time to uh, have questions and then we can go to have a drink uh, just uh, just under so let me introduce Kirk uh, Peberdin Kirk uh, is uh, normally in uh, all around the world uh, to uh, teach about uh, Java performance and uh, is freelance for several years uh, in uh, Java platform performance and uh, he will present us today uh, the product of its company uh, Gclarity. Thank you. I talk and I can no, I can talk with yeah. this one here. I don't need that one. Okay, how's that? Okay, well, uh, thank you for uh, spending your evening here uh, with us. Um, maybe I should give you a little history. So, um, as the as a kind, so we had a, this kind introduction saying that I do performance training and performance tuning, and um, you know, I, I would say that this year has been a really interesting year because we, I started off the beginning of the year in a submarine, right? And we're probably going to finish finish the year dealing with cows. Right, so, and there's been a whole bunch of things happening in between. Yeah, we're going to performance tune cows. No, we're not. But uh, the submarine was interesting because we ended up. Um, well, it's a video system, and you had all these strange icons like friendly torpedo. Does anyone know what a friendly torpedo is? Because I certainly would like to know what a friendly torpedo is. You know, torpedo, yeah. Friendly torpedo. It's I I just thought it would like wave at you before it said, "Hey, I'm here," and then blow up or something. I have no idea, <laughs> but yeah. So it, it's interesting. But one of the things we find that what I've been finding across, uh, you know, after doing this for a number of years is that, um, well, first off, I walk into places where we don't have a clue what people are doing, right? So the guys with the cows right now, I have no idea what they're doing, right? All I know is that they got to mess with the database and some EJB thing or whatever, right? JPA, whatever, whatever frameworks you guys cook up that can make things run slower, they've stuffed it in there. And, uh, you know, with the submarine, of course, we had some, you know, so with cows, we're dealing with real time. We did some airport stuff. So transactional rates are tied to aircraft landing and taking off. And, of course, with submarines and video systems, now we're talking about having to hit a V-sync. So we're down into like uh, 16 milliseconds, um, you know, um, a time frame. And, and, and the thing is, as we go across all of these different problems, um, you start picking up patterns, right? And, and you start seeing things in, in that are sort of common across all of the platforms that we're, s that, that we're dealing with. And, um, you know, and then taking those patterns and actually doing like a higher order analysis on them, you know, what we found is that we can take a lot of these patterns and we can categorize them. And we can say that when things are in this condition, I can tell you things about your application. And when things are in this other condition, I can tell you other things about your application, right? And so there's this whole heuristic model that we built up, uh, you know, after a number of years of just hitting, you know, applications in banking and telco and travel in and, you know, just you name the industry, we just go in. And there's just all of these problems that keep showing up and they keep exhibiting the same types of patterns over and over and over again, right? So we figured, like, okay, um, people are using, like, uh, I don't know, AppDynamics. Anyone familiar with AppDynamics? New Relic, right? Dynatrace. Um, and, and there's probably a whole host of others that I'm not mentioning. They're going to be annoyed at me for not mentioning them. Sorry. Oh, JX Insight. Yeah. We definitely don't want William annoyed at us, do we? And um <coughs> anyways, I, I, we're looking at, okay, so how do these tools work? How are they working, right? Well, the guys are basically in, uh, well, okay, I was at AppDynamics um, uh, this year. 
and I met with their CEO. They're in de- like downtown San Francisco, so they had like have a a big room, about maybe four times the size of this office space here, big warehouse. People scratching their head, going like, "Okay, what can possibly go wrong with an application?" Right? And they're saying, "Okay, well, let's uh, you know, well, we don't know, so let's just collect some data, and maybe we can figure it out from the data, right?" So what do they give you? They give you drill downs, yeah. So they said, ah, something happened over here. You might want to take a look. And you go clicking through the drill downs and eventually say, ah, the database sucks. Or, you know, um, this messaging system sucks. Or something sucks. So we need to go fix it. Right? And, um, you know, one of the things I'm saying is like, wow, it's not only that that thing has gone wrong. It's like going like, you know, drill downs suck. Why do we need drill downs? You know, drill downs suck. Why do we need them? Let's get rid of them, right? Um, so you know, how do we? You know, and this all of this collection of data. It's like you you look at how much data is being collected on a daily basis to sort out what's going wrong in your systems, and you and you just realize like, man, there's actually more compute power spent trying to figure out if your system is working than is actually spent on your system actually working, doing something. There's more bandwidth and more CPU and, and, and well, mostly bandwidth, just like and disk and chucking around all of this stuff, right? Just in case, just in case something goes wrong, and and so you know, um, so we so we looked at so you look at this problem and then we see all these patterns and everything like that and so like, why are we collecting all this data? We just collect a little bit of data over here, do a bit of pattern recognition on it, and then all of a sudden. We've got a way of s- correlating so certain patterns to certain problems in the application. And then we can sort of then tunnel in and do a deep dive and like really figure out what's going on, right? Are we, are, am I stalling enough? Yeah, <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, and, and from that, uh, all of a sudden we get uh, J Clarity springing up, which is a, um, how shall we say, a tooling company. So we have um, guys smarter than me, like Richard here, taking some of the stuff that that I figured out and actually applying some really intelligent algorithms to it to try to sort out like what's really going on in your system and you know so you know I've sat in the AppDynamics um, offices with their team you know I've sat with uh, uh, with Dynatrace with their team and uh, the new Relic guys won't talk to me so that's okay um, but, y- but these guys really are what I would call on this third gen of APM, Application Performance Monitoring Tooling, right? They don't know what's going to wrong, go wrong with your system, so we're just going to collect everything and hope we collect the right things. And then when we have the right things, uh, we'll just present them to you in a way that you can just tunnel through it. And really what we want to do is we want to push the market into the fourth generation, what we call smart tooling. Now, I'd like to say we're the only company doing this, but that would be a lie. There are other companies that are attempting to do this. I'm not sure how successful any of us will be, but we're certainly going to have fun trying, yeah, um, <coughs> you know, to, 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 to do it. Um, so one of the projects that, is that we're actually working on, which is open source, is a memory pool viewer, right? Right now, it just looks like a brain-dead memory pool viewer because I need to check in the next version. The next version, there's some algorithms in there that are actually going to predict if your application is going to run out of memory a fair amount of time before it actually will. So that's what we want to try to do, right, in that case. So that's a bit experimental. So, you know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, you know, we, you know, but we can try. But that's just because we looked at, you know, if so I collect garbage collection logs as a hobby, and so I've been looking at them. And, um, and as I look at them, you can see certain patterns. If an application is going to run out of memory, certain things happen way before that happens. Right, and so we can just look for these patterns, and we can use those patterns to say, okay, um, you know, based on what we're seeing now, it looks very likely that you're going to run out of memory in a couple of hours from now. Maybe you want to take corrective action now before it actually goes critical. Yeah, as one thing is is what we're trying to do. With this thing here, we're going to try to do deep diagnostics. Right, whatever's gone wrong with your system, we're going to try to figure out, okay, how's this, you know, what's gone wrong, and then you know, uh, give somebody a clear message as to what's gone wrong, yeah? And um, 
you know, so I guess another part of the story is that um, do you guys have to work with ops occasionally? Yeah. Do you, do you have just have trouble talking to them? They just don't understand what you're saying? Oh, you're okay with talking to them? You, oh, you're ops, okay. Fantastic. Yeah? So do you like actually talking to development teams? Oh, really? Wow, you're an unusual beast. Normally it's like, you know, they don't mix so well. So <coughs> he's really nice with you. Fantastic. Wow. Okay. Okay, there blows my story. Sorry, we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> so <laughs> what's that? Yes, because every time I say, yeah, anyways, uh, well, okay, so you're in the, you, you got a nice guy, like treat him really nicely because normally what I see is there's a little bit of a war between dev and ops and they don't really speak the same language. So the other thing we want to do is be able to give dev, uh, sorry, ops a team, uh, a tool that they can just take the stuff out and sort of understand what's going on and then pass it on to the dev and, and the guys are really going to understand, you know, what's going on in, in a way that, you know, you can, Basically, we can help with the communication gap between the two groups. You have to admit, there is a little bit of communication gap there. Um, <coughs> ah, more people. Okay. So, um, so what we're going to try to do tonight is um, we tried to throw together a demo. Like I said, uh, we're, st we're in startup mode. Uh, we're not really stealthy startup mode right now, but it means that uh, we, we, you know, as any startup, we're, we're running... <laughs> really from one minute to the next to get things to work. So we tried to put together a demo to uh, maybe show you uh, what we can do with the tool and hopefully give you a little bit of hands-on so you can play with it yourself. Uh, it's very early days for the tool, so um, I managed to give it a problem that it actually gives the right answer to it, but it's not as useful as the real answer, another answer would be. So somehow I've tricked it. So Richard is looking at that. Uh, not now, I hope, right? Where are you? No? Okay. What are you doing? Waiting for a file to copy. Okay. So, um, do you think we can do you think we can go through a, uh, a small demo while we're waiting for the file to copy or is the yeah, That's a problem. That's like 5 minutes to copy. What kind of sticks do you buy anyways? So the USB 1? Oh my gosh. Where's your supervisor? <laughs> Pay him more. <laughs> so okay. Yes, okay. Yeah, I got it. Um so I guess I can maybe tell you a bit more of how it's working and why I don't want to do a demo while it's copying off to the USB stick is because we are actually um looking at the problem um well, both top-down and bottom-up at the same time, which means that we are looking at the hardware counters, okay? And the fact that we're doing a um, copy of the uh, file from the machine to the stick, oh, you know what? Let's demo it anyways. Are you ready? We're just going to get an incorrect answer because it's going to pick up all the file transfer. <laughs> oh, uh, it's not letting me virtual machine. You want me to run a virtual machine? Okay, so let's start up a virtual machine here, and then we'll, uh, this part, th I mean, the boring part is over here, because, you know, we're just running virtual machine and web app and stuff like that. The exciting part is over there, but even, I have to say that even the exciting part is very boring, because <laughs> we don't have, like, flashy drill downs and things like that that you have to muck through, um, and so it really does make for a boring demo. That's why it's nicer to get your hands on to see what we can actually do. Okay. Now, VirtualBox is running. What did you do to it? Oh, right. Okay. Let me power it up here. Can we see over there? Okay. Let me just uh, to deal with that, too. What the heck did you do? Oh, that looks wild. Okay. So, he's mucked with my VM. Ah, okay. 
I have another issue too because we're coming up. I think I'm in Grub, Debian Grub right now. Okay, I will do that then. Oops. Come on. Let's uh, power off the machine and reboot. Yeah, it's very exciting, right? And we're still coming up in Grub. Capture and come on, boot. Are you on the Wi-Fi yet? Okay. Feel free to interject comments and questions as we go along. Now would be a good time. <laughs> okay, where'd my mouse go to? What do you do with my mouse? Is it spinning around over there someplace? No, it's got to be over here. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Do I know more about the merge between JRocket and uh, Hotspot? Um, is there anything specifically you're interested in? Because that's a very broad <laughs> question. It's already happened. It's already happened. No, that's that's not part of it. That's not part of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I can talk about that. That's that's a, like really disappointing. We got rid of PermGen in a space where we had tools to deal with the problems, and now we have Metaspace, right? Which looks like PermSpace, although unfortunately it's built out in a place where we don't have any tooling to deal with the problems. The problems haven't gone away, <laughs> right? They've just been moved, <laughs> and now we don't have any tooling to deal with it. Um, next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, quite honestly, I mean, that's one of the things we were... Uh, mentioning when they actually decided to get rid of perm space, it's saying like, great, okay, you're not fixing, I mean the real fundamental problem here is class loading, yeah, and the fact that, uh, well, as I've been talking to the one of the JEE spec leads today, that the JEE, well, the JEE specification doesn't have a class loading portion of, portion of it, which is really bad because that means there's no standard way that JEE applications load classes which should mean that they should default to the JSE class loading model, which is well-defined, but unfortunately there's not a single application server um, development team, or at least not one that I know of, that's actually read the JSE class loading specification. And I can tell you because that because I've looked at some of the source code for some of the class loading stuff that goes on um, for tools, well, for various tools that are supposed to work in these environments. Um, and um, consequently, we have application servers all doing it one way or another, and then we have OSGI coming in and really buggering it up. Okay. Um, so, you know, whether you like OSGI or not, you have to admit that they've completely broken class loading. Um, so, um, so consequently, so everybody does it differently, yeah? And um, it's a problem. So one of the things that we're hoping is that the JEE guys will actually get down and write a specification that's like, this is how class loading is supposed to work in an application server. And, and we understand, I mean, if you look at, um, oh, that's cute. It's actually up now. Are you, is it registered? Oh, probably, oh, no, we don't have the right uh, address there. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. So, so if you look at the at the normal class loading model, the normal class loading model mo class loading model is delegating, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to ask the parent if you have the class, right? But we don't want to do that with a JE application server because we, when we pack up an year, or a war, um, what we need to do is we need to uh, have the classes that are in the war or the year file or RAR or whatever uh, override what might have been previously loaded. Okay, um, and you know, and that's as soon as you've done that, you've broken things, right? Um, and uh, yeah. Anyways, that problem hasn't been fixed. 
right? And the other the, the problems associated with that that cause the class loader leaks because you get all these like uh, references between things in different class loaders that hasn't gone away. So now we're going to leak all of the stuff into general heap. We're going to leak it into metaspace, right? And metaspace is going to be in C space. So instead of seeing yeah, and an, you know an out of memory error perm space exhausted, we're going to see our virtual machine get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And the performance is just going to drop gradually over time as the VM gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And again, we don't really have tools to diagnose what's going on in that area. I mean, we asked for it to be toolable, but um, unfortunately, I don't think they had enough resources to, uh, to make it toolable just yet. So have fun, guys. That's all I can say. Um, so that's that wasn't the, I mean the decision for doing that was um, I'm not sure I talked to some of the guys about it and it was um, it didn't seem like they had real good justification in my humble opinion for making that but that's my humble opinion yeah absolutely Safari yeah okay should I trust you with my laptop now probably not yeah okay. Um, okay, so in terms of the other things that are emerging, basically, okay, so if you look at the difference between JRocket and OpenJDK, right? JRocket was uh, no interpreter, and they had different, slightly different memory structures and uh, heap organizations and things like that. Um, pretty much all that stuff is gone, right? We're not going to see that. Um, what we are going to see, uh, or what we are seeing, is flight recorder and mission control injected into... Um, the into OpenJDK, well, Oracle's version of OpenJDK. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've been having some, if you're laughing, right? <laughs> you should be. Uh, so, um, yeah, so, uh, so I, I'm not, sh okay, we're trying to figure out what they've done there. And quite frankly, I haven't quite been able to figure out what they've done yet, mostly because, um, well, it's been a timing issue. Uh, we're just sorting things out now. So it looks like they've injected some code into OpenJDK, and it looks like they've injected, they inject some code on the build, right? Their own proprietary build. And uh, it looks like it's commercial, where you have to get pay for, you have to pay money to use it under some circumstances, and other other circumstances you can just use it for fun, for free, right? So um, right now the current API um, I've been told I should be getting a description of what it might look like, but it's unsupported. By the time we get to JDK 9, apparently that will be a supported API. And it might be possible, although I have no idea how this is going to work, that we could write our own tooling against, um, against the uh, uh, flight recorder that's uh, bits that have been in injected into OpenJDK. Right? So it's a real kind of screwed up mix of commercial on top of open source and really um, we, we need a few people to complain about that because I you know we, we start I started complaining about it but saying this seems like an inappropriate mix I mean if they fork and take it internal to Oracle I don't really care when they start injecting code back support for this back into open JDK and then say you're not allowed to use it uh, yeah okay I mean, that's my opinion, and mine alone. Okay. Are we... Should we try a demo? Um, yeah, that's what we're here for, right? Instead of Good. listening to me spout <laughs> off about things I don't know anything about. Okay. I was going to just give him mine, but, you know, since I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, the original plan is I had an application, but... Uh, See, the original plan was Kirk had an application where you were going to give you all a VirtualBox instance. You were going to tune the VirtualBox instance and everything was going to be happy. But due to a combination of diagnosis issues, <laughs> as Kirk points out, kind of alpha, beta level software and issues with VirtualBox, etc., that's, that's, that's not working out. Yeah, so, I... I can I just say, I interject something here, sorry, uh, is that um, what we've been finding is that the virtualized world is a really interesting world to work in. It works very differently than a real hardware world, <laughs> you know. 
and and it does uh, it does play havoc with some of with some of the things that uh, you would expect to work in a certain way that just simply don't. Anyways, sorry, Richard, continue. So I'm moving to the backup plan, which is that I've spun up a bunch of EC2 nodes and connected them to one of our remotely hosted dashboards, and then. Uh, we'll just go through this. And, uh, and we all know that EC2 it works brilliantly also. EC2 is fantastic. Bundle yeah. fun. Any, <laughs> anyone here use EC2? <laughs> anyone have the issue when you say spawn up an EC2 node and it just does nothing and fails after a while and doesn't tell you? Yeah. 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 Happens <laughs> once in a while. Anyway, right. so um, that's like the main data. So basically, if you logged into our product and you had a bunch of servers connected, you'd see something that looks a bit like this. Yeah. So the top kind of bunch of nodes. Uh, can I can I unpack ahead. can I unpack you a little bit? Yeah. Maybe we can just get a little draw a little bit of what the architecture looks like on the on the on the paper there. Okay. So they, so they know what you're actually logging into. Yeah. Sorry, well, was that a question? I had a slide, but to show it, but he was actually using my laptop, so I didn't bring it up. <laughs> it's okay. So um, just, just to clarify, we've got a couple of EC2 nodes over here. So these are, would be, in, in terms of a deployment model, your servers running your software. In this case, I've just got a bunch of simulators sitting there, crunching away, eating money, as EC2 does. And uh, they're connected back to uh, a reporting agent that we're hosting. Um, so this is like the default combination. If you want that reporting agent hosted inside your premises. That's also possible, but you'll need to talk to us about that. And then I've just taken Kirk's laptop and connected it up to the web interface of this reporting agent. Um, now, there's just a, a connection here that's monitoring these guys, and the display of who's online and who's offline is, is what's on, on the screen over there. Yeah, is, that, so is that clarifying? Yeah, sure. So basically, on the EC2 instances, we have an agent that's just going to monitor the VM. So anything that's launched on that VM, right, this agent is going to look after it. The VM, the actual, yes, I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I mean VM, I'll say, when I say Java VM, I'll, I'll be explicit and say JVM, as opposed to when I say VM, then we'll talk about, well, EC2 node, is that better? Okay, thank you. We'll adjust our vocabulary here. Okay, so you no can probably problem. see a few kind of older nodes which are sat there. Um, which, have, which have been connected earlier today. Uh, we, we keep those kind of guys around for a while, or you can look at historically who's connected, that kind of stuff. Um, I think this is actually a demo that Martin gave earlier today, so that's interesting. Um, these new guys with the little green ticks, by the way, that's just showing that those EC2 nodes are online and they're connected up. And we've also made in this demo the, the, the host name of each EC2 node is hopefully the name of the kind of different type of problem that's, that's happening on the, on the application that's running on that node. Um, so if we click Diagnose or... Uh, you looking for a replacement? Hopefully it's okay. Did that close when it... When it yeah, I think, uh, okay. I think we're okay. Let's roll with it. Um, only a laptop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So each of these guys are coming, uh, were coming back individually once they diagnosed. And as you can see, that's pretty fast, given that's a whole diagnosis process. And so, so before we go here, like, um, yeah. um, Mick, can I ask you a question? It's like, that's like got a grindy thing over here, like yep. gears. That's got a cup, and that's got a garbage can. And so each of these icons kind of correspond to like a different kind of category of problems. So uh, the cup is like, you know, your computer sitting around there wanting to have a cup of tea. It's <laughs> not really making good use of its CPU. CPU isn't pushing itself. It's just kind of idle. Um, the, where are we? The kind of cogsy thing is that your problem is really down to kind of an operating system or a hardware level issue. So it's not something that's necessarily... I mean, it might be something in your application code, but it could be something like you're kind of dry, drying your disk too much 
or you're trying to drive your operating system's thread scheduler too much, you're putting too much pressure down at that level. Um, and where are we? Okay. I thought so there was a third one up there, but it seems to have disappeared. Yeah. If we look at the this guy here, uh, which is kind of garbage can, that's a GC related issue. So that's where your application your application is 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 running application code, but its its progress is primarily being bottlenecked on GC. So if we have a look at these kind of more detailed breakdown reports for each of the different programs, so. Um, so this is like a kind of GC breakdown. Um, where I don't know if anyone's used our GC log analyzer, Sensum, but we're also planning on somewhere down the product roadmap integrating the technology from Sensum so we get much, much better and more detailed GC breakdowns. So this is a simulator which has got a whole load of object creation and a whole load of objects that are sitting there filling up tenured and causing a lot of your GCs to happen over tenured. Um, so in this case, were we doing like a full GC or were we just a lot of CMS cycles? This guy ends up, I, th I, think, I think what happens is he starts doing loads of CMS cycles and ends up doing loads of full GCs as well. Right, okay, so we go into, yeah, we do concurrent mode failures then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so this guy here is, is an application which is insufficiently parallel. So that means you've got, say, say you've got like, I don't know, a four-core box, and you're only you're using one core. You're using it loads, but you're not using all of those cores. So, um, as you can see for each problem, there's also an action plan which recommends what you need to do to address the problem. So, here it might be, say, it's a server container type application. You might just need to increase the size of your thread pool. If it's something more complex or in depth, you might need to do a lot more kind of rearchitecting re to extract that parallelism out. In the case of this simulator, it's just the simulator that's doing something on a single thread, but not really using the rest of the, the CPU cores. Yeah. Now so, so one of the things that um, we plan to do as we mature the product is actually to be able to tunnel deeper into these problems so that we're not going to give you like this fairly generic uh, description of what's going on, but uh, we can go into each of the application servers and we can understand uh, what's going on inside the application server and use those particular patterns to say, yeah, I mean, your thread pool is exhausted or your thread pool is, um, is insufficiently sized or, or something like that. And, and we plan on just uh, you know, putting deeper metrics uh, you know, on each of these branches, right? So this is actually uh, a, a good example of that kind of progress because uh, this is the currently deployed live one, but I was actually on the train over the way over here to France today improving the analytics for this. So hopefully that should be deployed next week, I'll hope. Uh, so hopefully as of next week onwards, you'll get a proper thread breakdown, which will show you which threads are the ones which are actually doing use the time. And in addition to that, an execution profile to see where in your code you're actually executing that tells you that you're kind of, you've got this insufficient parallelism problem. Are you brave enough to show that? Um, I'm more than brave enough to show the UI, assuming my laptop's still working, but my laptop didn't connect to the ah, didn't okay. connect to the, the monitor, so I, I can't. Yeah, um, sure. So there's an issue here. So this, this simulator is a simulator that spends a heck of a lot of time writing to disk, so it's kind of very I.O. bottlenecked. Um, and you get uh, a breakdown showing what process is, is, is hitting your disk, and how much of your, of your disk capacity you're actually using. If there are multiple applications there which were all contending for this on the disk I.O., you'd see a breakdown between uh, several of them. Yeah, uh, and, th and that's a good point, right? In, in this case, what we're doing is we're doing a machine-level view of what's happening, right? So that's what's happening in aggregate across uh, everything that happens to be using the machine. And... So what we want to do afterwards is to, to move up and say, okay, it's aggregate because all your JVMs are writing in this case. I don't know, we've got four and they're all writing 12. Uh, and four JVMs and they're all writing 12 megabytes per second. Or it might be just one JVM that's offensive, right? So we'll go into that JVM, uh, see, who, you know, see who the offending thread is that's causing all of this excess writing or you know, what part of the application is causing excess writing. 
so that we can actually give that as a report to people, right, as opposed to having to drill down to find this stuff. So we know where the problems are. We know how to get there. So why are we forcing you to do the work to get to it in that case? Um, this view is also another view which uh, I think as of next week we'll have a proper execution profile breakdown for the code to show you where to go back for that kind of stuff. Right. And um, you've got a, a, a context switching uh, problem. So uh, do, do people know what I mean by context switching? Yeah. So you've got multiple processes. They're all contending for the CPU. So in this case, it's actually a program which has got a heck of a lot of lock contention. So you've got a bunch of threads which are all waiting on one hot lock, and the operating system thread scheduler is all trying to throw them in there, trying to get them to find the, the right thread to be the next one to progress. Um, and that ends up generating a heck of a lot of context switching. And um, you'll see on the right-hand side, 19% of the time means 19% of your application, 19% of your CPU usage is purely the OS sitting there, running away, context switching. Yeah. Um, and that's also, that's an underestimate of how bad the problem is for context switching, because it ignores the negative effects on, you know, uh, CPU cache locality that you get when you're doing a lot of context switching. Yeah, normally when you get a lot of context switching, the 100% number on the, on the CPU is just absolutely unattainable. Normally, we'll see like uh, CPU saturations at about 40 to 50 percent, and that's as much as you can get out of a CPU. That's uh, when you when it's uh, that much contention in play. Um, so another of the kind of problem classes that we diagnosed diagnosed down to is threads waiting on an external service. So this is like um, I don't know. Say, say you're running your application, it's making a call to some RESTful API somewhere else, maybe inside your company, maybe externally. And whoever manages that service is going, having a really, really bad day. Things are really, really slow. And your application is spending all its time just sitting there, waiting, trying to talk to that box. Um, so, so this is similar to which is just trying to connect somewhere off box and kind of really gets stuck there on the, the kind of server socket connections. Yeah. Um, so ag again, this is one way you can exhaust thread pools in application servers. So we're going to take a thread out of a pool, make a synchronous call to something, and we're just basically going to, you're going to lock it up. And then your thread pool gets exhausted, and then your incoming requests don't get proper services. And this is a way of calming down the system, right? The system looks really calm because it looks like there's no activity on it in these cases, right? So that's really some of the patterns that we're actually looking for. Um, okay. Um, and the other issue that we've got listed here is a deadlock, which is just, you know, straight old, two threads, one holds the resource the other guy is looking for, the other thread is holding the resource that that guy is looking for, and it gets bottlenecked on a deadlock. So that can obviously, again, kind of uh, uh, <laughs> restrict the progress of your application performance-wise because it's not able to do anything because it's deadlocked. Um, there is another case which we don't actually even bother demoing for because it's kind of really, really obvious, which is just that your application is reasonably well-tuned. It's just spending all its time doing CPU, just doing the application. And in that case, we just give you a plain old execution profile because that's a situation where you just need to kind of perhaps rewrite your code a little bit just to make it more efficient. Okay, I think that covers things. Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, yeah, the, the very fast high-level view yes. of what's going on. So, so, uh, so if you look at all, all the problems that are being dealt with here, and there's, there's more that we can actually deal with, uh, you can see what we're actually doing is we're just using some patterns as to how the hardware is being used to infer what's going on in the application layer. And then we're going to take some knowledge about what's happening in the applications, how they're built, how they're constructed, to actually do um, further diagnosis. Uh, so that we can actually come up with some really useful answers that that uh, you don't have to drill down for, and uh, so we have this running in um, in a couple of production environments now, and um, uh, so far the feedback from them has been it's been helpful to help to get them to find problems that uh, the, the first customer we deployed to actually had a um, problem which was actually 
It was actually kind of a misconfigured firewall stopping certain types of connections getting through to their application. Um, and I think they spent, you know, not necessarily people full-time always looking at it, but they were kind of wondering why the problem was going on. And I think they spent a couple of weeks just kind of looking through, trying one thing or other. But it didn't at all stop to think, hang on, it might be a firewall configuration issue. And I think about uh, within the first minute of getting uh, JClarity up and running on their servers, they'd run a diagnosis and already pointed out that your application is just sitting there not doing very much. And then it clicked that the problem happened about the same time as they made a bunch of configuration changes, and it was actually a firewall thing. So I think we had a, like a, a useful time-saving customer interaction on like the first guy we deployed to within five minutes of them being deployed. Yeah, so I'm um, so, you know, not too many customer success stories yet, but um, I think we're starting to to, uh, to to build that story out um, as we you know put the tool up into more interesting situations. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess. Um, Questions. Do you want to do you want to try it on the other application, or are you afraid to see how it might fail or work? I don't think it's going to work that effectively. I think I need to take that back and uh, fix and that. And see what's and going and on, and yeah. Okay, so we'll... Uh, I managed to give it a demo that fooled it, sorry. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> for, <laughs> uh, uh, for that. Are th is there any questions you have about, um, you know, what it is we're trying to do, or comments, or feedback? Yeah, sure, please, uh, fire away. We, we try and find the... No, the not the most probability. It's not probability. This is gonna, so we're not dealing with probabilities here. We're going to find the most significant performance issue in the system. And, and there's a reason for going after the most significant one. Uh, first is because that often masks or, or somehow will ha cause other things to manifest themselves in the performance profile. And once you deal with the most significant one, you can find that the performance profile of your application is going to change radically or significantly in a number of cases. And you know some things that might have been a problem um, or looked like they were a problem when you had this particular problem in play, uh, you take away that problem, these things go away with it, and some other problems might show up. Right. Um, so in, in you know because of that, we want to focus on you know, what is it that your system is doing? S statistically, what is your system doing most of the time, right? Is it, is it um, you know, is it abusing the hardware, right? Um, do, you have, do we have some algorithmic issues? Um, you know, are, are we capable of saturating hardware? And there's, there's a whole class of things that, you know, qu lists of questions that we can ask. And then somehow map that back into the application so that we can say, okay, this is what's going on. Here's the answer we're going to give you. Yeah. I think the only thing I'd add to that is there's only one scenario where we might give you more than one answer, which is when you've got multiple applications running on, on the same server, but they're doing different things, and they're not competing with each other for resources. So we know that there's no interference between the two things that could cause a problem. Right. And they might be doing slightly different things. So you might get, say, a different execution profile from the two different applications. So that's the only way it might set, settle down. But, yeah, it, so yeah, yeah I, I, well. think I think one of the things that, um, that, you know, how we look at hardware might be different than how you guys look at hardware or, you know, processes and threads and things like that. You know, from a hardware point of view, there's no such thing as a process. There are no such things as threads. There's just streams of instructions and data that are flowing at me and streams of uh, data that I'm pushing back out the other end, right? So uh, under, under so if you look at the problem that way, right, then you, you realize that what you're going to get is an aggregate picture of what's going on, you know, when you, when you look at a particular piece of hardware. Th that's what makes dealing with virtual machines so difficult, right? Because the virtual machine is trying to give you that view, uh, but quite often, well, we've seen with VirtualBox, for instance, like, you try MP stat, doesn't work. Yeah. Right? We don't get uh, disk I.O. rates or I.O., you know, or any data rates on, on the channel. Same with if you run I.O. top on an open VZ. 
right. instance, or Virtuoso, or you know, the products in that space. Right. Uh, Zen, which EC2 uses, actually one of the better ones for being honest about what's happening <laughs> under yeah. the hood. But there's all these kind of different things which you need to kind of, which we're kind of building up and working around case by case. Right, and some of it means that we're just going to go down to the bare metal and we're going to see what's going on down there in the bare metal and then we're going to correlate that to what's going up uh, on up in the application. So, uh, I, again, it comes from my view of, of performance tuning, which is really that it's, it's a problem of, of resource allocation in most cases. So what we want to do is we want to understand what the re resource allocation picture looks like and then, you know, uh, and then f un try to understand why the resource allocation picture looks that way, right? And most of the performance problems are going to come from some sort of resource allocation uh, problem. And if you look at the problem that way, then yeah, I think it's quite different than let's capture every metric we possibly can from the system and then uh, use all of this data to try to sort out if, uh, what's yeah. gone wrong after something has gone wrong. Yeah? You said you had another question? Yeah. Second question. Are you able to detect any issue with the memory or operating system? Uh, computer that because you like swap, like it's swapping. Swapping yeah, swapping issue. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have some stuff. So we at the moment, if you've got a swap issue and you diagnose, we'll tell you you've got a disk IO problem because that's what you have. But swap-specific analytics, I think, should be coming relatively soon. The issue with diagnosing swap problems, though, is sometimes when there's a swap issue, our monitor on the box is also uh, impeded by that swap issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think we're that deep into the operating systems yet, but that's definitely a direction that we want to go. We want to monitor everything that's going to impede, you know, the forward progress of your application. And definitely these type of weird problems, especially in multiprocessor, you get like pages being evicted when they shouldn't be evicted. But the, the, I mean, they all show up in some of the counter values that we know that, that are available to us. Um, you know, from, from our point of view, it's just a matter of maturity before we get there. You know? But definitely swapping is, uh, I didn't see it on the, I didn't see exactly when it was coming, but. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, because I, I mean, there's all kinds of other things that we were looking at. Like we're looking at like uh, uh, other hardware counters, like such like it's things that people just don't diagnose, right? Uh, like T labs. Uh, your uh, right people don't uh, look at, uh, at your translation look aside buffers, right? And they don't really understand. You know, even if I was to tell you what your T lab hits, miss, walk times were, right? you probably wouldn't know how to react to that or understand what impact that had on the performance of your application. And um, so, uh, you know, but, you know, if we, if we get into certain metrics, I mean, there's certain things that we know we can do to improve the, you know, the, the picture. So doing, doing things like recommending that you enable uh, large, large pages, pages yeah. Right, but we know what the conditions are to make that recommendation. It's just a matter of getting the heuristics into the engine at, that, at this point. Any other questions? These are good questions. Yeah. So, for example, on VirtualBox, um, anything that's I/O weight actually appears at system time in the kernel because the 
VirtualBox driver sits at the wrong place in the kernel and the time gets counted as part of the wrong thing. So it's not that the information isn't there, it's just that we need to uh, refine our algorithm a little bit more to say, hey, we're in this other situation, we need to you know, turn them off a little bit and focus on this information rather than that information. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I've looked at a few of the virtualized environments and they, they lie to you, but as I say, the information is always there, you just got to look in a different place. Tease it out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right, and that's what we'll detect. The, the memory read rate, write rates will collapse. The instruction retirement rates will collapse. So you're going to just get a collapse of output through the hardware as it tries to deal with this uh, this problem, right? And those are the things that you know we will pick up on. They'll feed into our heuristic engines, and we'll just say that's you know, when these things are happening, you know, it's an indication that, yeah, you're swapping. And, yeah, the virtual machines in those cases will lie to you, but the real hardware won't, you know. So we'll just rely on the things that we know are going to be true. And if we, you know, and if we know that they're not going to be true, then uh, we're going to, you know, somehow tease that information out of what's available. Like, uh, we can tease idle out of system. Like, right now, if I mean... If I'm running VirtualBox here, I mean, you can just see this, it drives the system times on the machine like really, really freaking high. And you know that's not all, um, it's, n it's not really all system time. Uh, there's, some, there's something else going on here, on there that's driving it. So w we can tease that out. We haven't really made any plans for adding your own your own heuristics into the engine. Can I, can I throw a follow-up question back to you? Like, what kind of heuristics would you like to be able to add? Yeah. Of course. I mean, I have an example. Yeah. Okay, so um, so uh, we have we get um, uh, uh, a good friend of ours, right? He's written a system where uh, he calls System GC once a day on the system, right? And it's an exceptionally well-tuned system. It's just fantastically tuned, and what he's doing is absolutely correct, right? But our heuristics would probably pick that up as that because his, his full GC to GC ratio is really really high really high because of this. And so, um, you know, our heuris heuristics would probably pick that up and say, like, wow, somebody's calling system GC and it's really, uh, specu looks like a speculative call. It looks regular um, based on the f some frequency analysis. And, and we'd probably want to complain about it, right? But in this case, you could tell our system saying, like, hey, I'm going to do this. Ignore it. Right, I'm not really interested in this because I built the system to behave this way, you know, and th and that's you know something like that would give us more information so that we could say, okay, that looks like a problem that we don't really you know yeah. need to need to worry about, or it's not a problem, because you know the customer is saying it's not a problem. Yeah, yeah I was going to say another thing we thought about a lot more 
doing kind of um, user input into the analytics engine on is people sending more information about what their goals and expectations out of it. Like, is it a low latency trading app? Are you just looking for more generic throughput? That kind of trade off as well. So that's another way we were looking at getting kind of user input into the system. I know that's not quite a plugin. Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the thing is, I, I, I think you're, what you might be thinking of is in, in the traditional type of products like, uh, like AppDynamics or something where they have a plug-in framework, where if you're interested in monitoring a certain aspect of your of the system, then you can just put the plug-in probe in, or JXN Insight does this, right? You can write the probe, and it's going to go after some specific performance metric that you want to measure, and then uh, we're gonna f it's going to feed that back into the, you know, back into the pipeline, right? And then all that data is going to be stored in a database, and now you can do queries against it using their eye candy and stuff like that. And, and this system is architected completely differently than that. We're not doing that type of stuff with this particular system. So the type of plugins that you're thinking about, or uh, that I'm guessing you're thinking about, I don't think it would be appropriate for this type of system. Now, when we, when we get into building the other half of the product, so this is like one half of the product, there's no whole other half that has to be done, then there, it's potentially, there's potential there for, you know, people wanting to put specific plugins in to monitor things. You know, one of the things that we want to do with this tool is we want to make sure that it runs very quietly and it runs very, very lightly. So I don't know, we've, we've done a me measure on the, uh, on the network utilization recently. Uh, it's, it's un unless you're actually diagnosing a problem, it does nothing. Well, yeah, first, practically, uh, practically nothing, unless you're diagnosing. Uh, the initial implementations we had were running in 8 megabyte heaps, right? I don't think we can get it down to that now, but we can still run in very small heaps. We, I think we can, we can run in 8 megabytes, I think. Yeah, you think? Okay, I was thinking probably 16 nowadays, I but... But 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 uh, you know but the, the but this is part of the philosophy behind the tooling too is that you know it's your hardware to run your application it's not our hardware to run our diagnostic tooling on and our monitoring tooling on right so we want to stay off of the hardware as much as possible and we've built the tool like that right from the beginning so that it's very very light it's very network light it's very uh, CPU light it's just very resource uh, light. Uh, to get to get through all the diagnostics, the overhead. Well, unless you're actually, unless you're actually diagnosing a problem, it'll be less than one percent of everything. And when you're diagnosing a problem, it's it's when you're diagnosing something, it's still not much greater than a couple of percentage points. It'll be yeah, it'll be a few percent when you're diagnosing. Stuff, right, but, I, I but we're we're in single digit. You know, and we want to remain in single digit. So that means we're not going to let you put your probe in. <laughs> yeah, that's your problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, the other thing is that if you ha if you feel that you need to put a probe in, then you know, we're scratching your head wondering what we haven't been able to cover off. You know. Yeah, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, be, because there isn't a complete list. <laughs> no, I, and, I, and I say that it's not because we haven't made, we don't have a list or it can't be complete. It's just that we're, we're trying to be able to diagnose things that we don't know about. Okay? In order for this to work, we have to be able to diagnose things that we don't have know about today. Okay, so, sorry? Well, think about it. You think about wha how we're doing the tooling here, right? We're doing pattern matching and diagnosing off the pattern. I cannot possibly predict all of the performance problems that are ever going to happen in the planet. But I face them every day, all kinds of ones I've never seen before, and I use a, a bunch of heuristics to come to some conclusion as to what the problem is, right? And that's the whole point um, behind the tooling is that we want to use some of these same heuristics to come to some conclusion as to what the problem is. Okay? But since I can't predict, 
what the problems are going to be. I can't give you a list of what we can diagnose and what we can't diagnose. But I can say that um, if you are in a situation where you're oversubscribed to some particular resource, okay, whatever that resource is, we're going to find it and we're going to tell you about it, either on an aggregate situation or in an individual situation. Yes, absolutely. That's a that's a maturity. Yeah, I don't think. I'm not saying we'd never allow plugins, but I don't think that's going to happen in the short term, at least. Right. So it's it's. But yeah, I I think it's more a question of. One of the things is once you have a plugin API um, or uh, a service or anything that interacts with the users, you have to like maintain that for life. So we're really careful about not wanting to get this kind of thing wrong, which is why I say we've discussed a few of the kind of user domain-specific interaction things, but not the analytics-specific interaction. But it's an interesting point. I think we should probably, we should probably take that. Well, I, I think there's going to be a point in time where we're going to have to uh, allow it, on, especially when we go to the second half of the product build. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely going to be uh, something that's going to be there because we're not going to be able to capture everything uh, in, uh, in the other half of the build. But in terms of what we're doing here, I think we should be able to capture... Stuff. We should be able to capture most stuff. Normally, it seems since the, it's a since it's a SaaS application, it's possible that you, know, you, know, you can grab the data of all the systems that are in France and use them to detect false positives, and uh, you can reuse all these data yeah. to improve your heuristic as to its learning and Yes. Well, yeah, plus actual work. Yeah, there's some learning stuff in there, yeah. so that it, over time it should get better after, after the learning gets refined. So, yeah. So, like I said, it's really a completely different model and probably what what you're used to looking at. Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah, like say I'm putting myself out of a job, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, uh, I, I think that's the point, right? It's like uh, there's a there's a whole host of problems that I go into solve now that are, um, uh, uh, shall we say, it's boring. <laughs> so why not get a machine to do that? The machine's a lot faster than I am. And probably a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 I think the other thing too is like you know if you don't have a real skilled performance person on site, right? Maybe you're not just not big enough to manage that. I mean, I deal with a lot of companies that just say I need spot performance consulting. I don't need a full time person. Yeah. And so if we can get a smarter heuristic engine in to help them, um, then then you know that sort of gives them that capability that they, you know, that that they don't have currently, and and you, and if you look at the existing tooling, you still have to be a fairly clever performance person in order to understand what the tooling is telling you. You know, it's you still have to be able to dig around, root around, and try to sort out what's going on. That you know. Yeah, well, so, so we're trying to collect enough data so that by the time it gets into a bug report or something like that, that the people who are actually reading it are going like, yeah, okay, no problem. I'm just going to go there and make some adjustments there. Yeah? And then and that's really the, uh, the end game, mm -hmm. you know, in this case. 
So like I said, this is really going to be like fourth gen. So anything you've seen in, seen in first, second, and third gen is really not where we want to be. We don't want to do that stuff. Or at least we'll do it, but not expose it to you. Yeah? Sorry, um, uh. <laughs> I'm pretty skeptical at this point whether that virtual box stuff is going to work out, to be honest. Because it, it, after several tries, well, it just wasn't connecting to the Wi Fi properly. It wasn't connecting, okay, and if we can't get that to connect to the Wi Fi properly. Yeah, I, so so one of the issues we have with it is that we were trying to run the uh, reporting agent and the uh, and the diagnostic agent and the test harness and everything on the same virtual machine, and of course, um, you know, uh, you know, since the agent is sensitive to everything that's running on the machine, then it starts picking up that you know all of the stuff is going on and uh, and and it and it doesn't actually. Um, um, give a proper diagnosis because you know you actually need a proper test environment in that case, and it looks like um, I'm. We'll apologize and say that unfortunately I don't look. Doesn't look like we can give people a hands-on tonight, uh, but we do plan on being able to give people a hands-on. I, I think you can go to our website and sign up and download some stuff and then yeah. and then and try it on your on your site yeah. yourself. Um, I don't know how that works. I've never done that. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've used the product. I, I've, I've, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Just go to the website, yeah. and uh, there's a form you can fill out, and uh, some mark, yeah, and um, give it a try that way, I guess. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming.